welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Are finishing up our series on yearn for more and remember it's a it's a recap from the beginning of the year which it's our theme to yearn for more uh, to have a greater intensity and passion we've seen growth in numbers and I wanted to see a growth in our zeal our tenacity our desire for God to do more and this series is landing well you're receiving it and I believe it's a great um, mid-year checkup if you will for us to grab into this I love that in week one, for those of you that weren't here or just to recap, in week one we talked about the Canaanite woman that uh, her daughter needed a miracle and she's bantering back and forth with Jesus and he's like, it's not your time. And she's like, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And we were just like, I'm going for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after it with Jesus. I, if he's holding me off, I'm still looking for another angle and I'm going to fight for the crumbs. And those crumbs can change our world. And so I love that in week one, we talked about that. Week two, uh, if you remember, it was double portion. We talked about double portion, that Elisha wanted a double portion from Elijah. He's like, I've got to get this. I've got to have a double portion. And we talked about the the zigzag, that the double portion just doesn't come to you and your lazy boy. It's a zigzag. It's diversion. It's tests. It's trials. And you're going to fight for the double portion. You have to lean in and get it. Um, Last week, I felt like Teen Challenge was really part of the series. Um, I know that it, it didn't, it wasn't maybe a message on Yearn for More, but when you are addicted to a life controlling substance, you are yearning for more. You are asking God to deliver you. You need God. You need a touch from God. And the desperation that some of the testimonies that were there, you could feel it like they, I need Jesus to touch me. I need to break through. And I, I just, again, I know we now said offering, but um, 117,000 of the 125 came in. That's a, a wonderful amount. As people give to Kingdom Builders this week, we're going to fully fund the 125 and then go on to the next project. And we are just funding them and funding them and funding them. And I love the generosity, but I felt like that was part of our series, okay? It wasn't like we took a break. It was just another angle to look at the, the series. And today we're going to look at Matthew 13 and Mark 10. And uh, if you have Bibles, you can go there and I, I'll have other scriptures, but um, Matthew 13 and Mark 10. And we're going to look at um, nitpickers, silent shushers, okay, and shouters. Nitpickers, silent shushers, and shouters, okay? This is something here for us to yearn for more, to go after it. And I, I just want to say this most churches, most churches have way too many nitpickers and way too many silent shushers and not enough shouters. 
That was a good opportunity to say amen. You know, I'm just saying. Right there. Okay. Um, I don't know why we decided that quiet was okay, that quiet was more godly, but it's okay to be uh, vocal with our praise. It's okay to be vocal and interact. It's okay to go after it. And hopefully in this sermon, you'll see that God wants us to be more uh, with, a, with a shouting, with a reckless abandon, with a desire for more instead of holding back and definitely not being critical. But let's start with that first group, uh, the nitpickers. And they come from the town of Nazareth. They come from Jesus' hometown. And we see in Matthew 13, matter of fact, that, that might have been their high school mascot, the Nazareth nitpicker. I, I'm just saying. All right. But Matthew 13, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there, coming to his hometown. He began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't the brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So we see Jesus going to his hometown. I don't know why he, he went back. He's telling us that there's no honor there. But I'm sure he's thinking, I'm doing all these amazing things. I'm blessing so many people. I know the needs of the people in my own town. I'm going to go back to my hometown. Maybe he's going back for a home-cooked meal. We don't know exactly why he was there. But we do know that he was there. And we do know that he was teaching in their synagogue. And we know it was good. They were amazed. The Bible tells us they were amazed at what he was teaching. And as he's teaching this, they become nitpickers. What is a nitpicker? A nitpicker is somebody that points out all the faults, even if the faults have no bearing on the overall message, on the overall quality of what's being done, on the overall big picture. A nitpicker is like, well, that isn't good enough. And that, I don't know why he said that. And I don't know why he folded his hands like that. And I don't know why they didn't have mustard and onions with their hot dog. You know what I'm saying? Nitpicker, all right. Some of you got that one. So these nitpickers, and they're all like, where did you get this wisdom? Where did he, and instead of like being like, this is amazing, give us more. They're like, where do you, where do you, where do you get this? How many nitpickers have a posture? Where do you get that? Where do you get that? Where do you, who, who taught him that? Look at that. Isn't he a carpenter? Look at his hands. Those are calloused hands. Those are carpenter hands. He did not, where do you, I mean, come on. I mean, we know this guy. He, isn't he, this is Mary's son. Mary, you know Mary. Which one is Mary? Oh, you, oh, angel Mary. Angel visitor Mary, that one. Oh, sure. It was a small town, you know what I'm saying? They knew. And they're nitpicking. And they're nitpicking. All right, we know his brothers. We know his sisters. We know them. And they're like, what? I mean, come on. Why is this going on? And there's no respect going on. There's no respect. And so it says Jesus could do very little because of their lack of faith. He was still powerful. He was still God. He was still able to do. And, and think of how it must have broke his heart. He's like, I could help them. They've been praying for a baby and they're nitpicking. I could help him. He needs a miracle. And he's sitting there nitpicking. There's no faith here. It had to break his heart that this was going on. I mean, it's just, it's sad that in his own hometown, he's, he couldn't do hardly any good. I'll let you know, when I read this scripture years ago, Beck and I almost didn't come to Minnesota to plant River Valley Church. 
You know, this is our hometown. I mean, we grew up in Dakota County. I mean, we grew up. I, I mean, I was born in Minneapolis. Uh, you know, uh, first place is Bloomington. And then we moved to Egan. And so, you know, it's like, I, I get this area. I understand it. And we thought, well, you know, a prophet's without honor in his hometown. And so we thought maybe this wouldn't be the place. So Beck and I were praying over Minnesota and Colorado. And we're like, Minnesota, Colorado. And God just kept saying Minnesota. And I feel like, Things changed so much since, you know, I was born and, and since I was raised in this area. I mean, you got to understand, when I was raised in, in Dakota County, I can just let you know, um, this was like uh, Apple Valley still had a little airstrip in it, okay? There was an airstrip, like right where downtown Apple Valley, airstrip. Um, you know, this is pre-Minnesota Zoo, okay? This was, um, I used to hunt in Egan, like we're 35 E's. I used to go duck hunting. I used to leave the house in Egan with my shotgun, okay? And then walk down the street and then go into the field and then hunt on Farmer Francis's land. And then later on, they bought it and put 35. Okay, you understand? Like where Walmart is in Egan, I used to kill things. All right, you know, uh, I just say, so, I mean, we felt like there was a population explosion and, and it was big enough that we could come back and, and, you know, thankfully we could come back to our home area and we, we believe that this is the exact right spot. But it was that scripture where like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, sometimes you don't have that honor. Sometimes people can't get past it. And so that's what's going on there. And they're, and they're just, they're nitpicking. And Jesus can't do it. And I want to tell you this. Church, you have more responsibility to what's going on in the church service than you realize. You really do. And I want to talk to our, our Apple Valley and Shockby campus because those are the only ones where I can record live. Okay? The other ones I can preach live and sometimes I still go there and I show video, but I can record live there. But if I could just do like a closed circuit to Apple Valley and to Shockby campus... You have to lean in a little more than everyone else. I mean, everyone has to leave it, lean in. If you're at a campus, do not excuse yourself. Like, well, I'm at a campus. I'm on, I'm, I'm, he can't see me. He's on video, okay? I, I need you to lean in because, again, you're responsible for what's going on. There's a, a level of what you bring to what God wants to do. But again, Apple Valley and Shakopee or wherever I'm preaching live, if we're there in that moment, you got to lean in. You just have to especially our, our Saturday night services. The first time I go to preach it, you got to lean in. You got you to gotta go for it. I mean, sometimes when I'm preaching, and again, the weight is on the Apple Valley campus, again, because I'm preaching and, you know, I can't see the people at the other campuses. So in my mind, they're all smiling and nodding, you know, okay? And then at Apple Valley, sometimes I'm like, you know, and I look over there, I'm like, oh, don't look over there, you know. Angry section to the right, you know, like, and then I look to the left, ah, oh, confused, you know. Look at the camera, look at the camera, look at the camera, okay? So I need you leaning in, okay? Lean into this, give a, give a little bit, you know, go with this and help out. William Barclay said this about sermons and he's a, he has a great commentary. And he says, in any church service, the congregation preaches more than half the sermon, the congregation brings an atmosphere with it. The atmosphere is either a barrier through which the preacher's word cannot penetrate or else it's such an expectancy that even the poorest sermon becomes a living flame. That means it's possible that I could be preaching better than you're listening. I'm just saying. 
And it's possible that if I'm preaching a doozy and it's a bad one, a sticker, you could pull me out of the spiral of death, you know, and you could get me back up here again. You know what I'm saying? And anyway, if there's ever live preaching at your campus, your campus pastor's preaching, somebody's preaching, come on, help them out. Come, don't go, oh, man, I, don't do that. Lean into it. Help them and pull it forward. Okay, so these people are there and, and the nitpickers, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Jesus can't do much at all. That's the opposite of what we want in this church. We want people leaning in, ready, saying, I'm ready. When I used to uh, teach baseball, I used to coach baseball. I love baseball. I love coaching it. I coached my younger brother, Ryan. I coached uh, Connor and Logan's team. You know, I teach, uh, I get in the ready position. You know, the ball just might come to you. Be ready. You know, I just, I want you, I don't know what the ready position is in church, but I guarantee you, this is not it. Okay. You're like, you know. And this is not it when you're looking at your watch or your phone or, you know, all right. Be ready for what God has. Lean into this. God wants us hungry and leaning in. The Apostle Paul is listing things about the the normal Christian life. In Romans chapter 12, he gives a list of things that are part of the normal Christian life. And, and, And one of the verses there in Romans 12, 11, it says this, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Another translation says this, never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. I mean, this is the type of life we should be living as followers of Jesus Christ. That's the normal Christian life. And if that's what the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church at Rome, he said, come on, guys, don't be lacking in fervor and in zeal. Come on, keep it up then I would say to River Valley Church, let's not be lacking in fervor. Let's not be lacking in zeal. Let's, let's have an expectancy. Let's have a fire. Let's have a passion that's there that's oozing out of us, an intensity that's there. Churches that lack in zeal will just by default become nitpickers. They would. And I would rather have to rein in some zeal than have to say, come on, come on, get in the ready position, you know? I'd rather be like, hey, that was just a few too many amens. I really liked it, but that was just a few, too, you know, but, but keep it up, keep it up. You know, all right, you know, that was just, you, know, you were nodding your head so much, you looked like a bobblehead. You know, but I mean, I love, you know, I'd rather have you too much than like, mm, you know, all right. Now, let's look at the shushers and a guy who was really excited, really excited, a shouter, all right. Mark chapter 10. This is a story about Jesus again. Coming to Jericho. The Bible says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus, he's the shouter. You can see who the silent shushers are. Shh. We'll look at them in a moment. But 
Bartimaeus was, in all likelihood, according to the story, uh, along the north gate of Jericho. He was up by the north gate of, of Jericho, an area where Jesus wasn't at a lot. And on this day, Jesus was passing through the north gate. He was at a, actually heading up to Jerusalem, heading to celebrate Passover. So he's heading up there. And as he's heading up, there's an opportunity that avails itself. And, and Bartimaeus has an opportunity to shout and catch the attention of Jesus. Now we can just gather from the story that Bartimaeus must have heard stories. You know, he's sitting there, same place every day, same place by the gate, by the gate. Why? Because everybody has to walk in, everybody has to walk out. If they're walking out this gate, they might be going to Jerusalem. If they're going to Jerusalem, they're going to be close to God with the temple. And if they're going to be close with God with the temple, they're probably going to want to do something nice for the poor on the way to going to be with God. So he's got a good logical place here. And so he's, he's in all likelihood hearing stories about, hey, there was a, did you hear the story about the guy that was healed? What? Tell me again. Tell me again. Wait a minute. Jesus heals blind people. So you can imagine he's hearing the stories and he's gathering up and he obviously knows his word. And he's thinking, if that's true, then Jesus is probably the promised one of God. He's probably the Messiah, the promised one, which means he has the ability to heal. If he ever walks by here, I'm getting my healing. I'm going to catch the attention of Jesus. This guy has a plan and he's ready for it. Now, as the commotion is going on, um, in this commotion is going on, he's like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Because he's recognizing high traffic. And you got to know, he's a blind guy, poor guy, sitting by the gate. He needs volume of traffic to make money. And right now he's got volume of traffic and he hears crowds. There's a rumbling. Jesus has got a crowd and he's thinking, this is a great opportunity. I got a lot of people to ask money for. Alms for the poor, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And instead of having volume of traffic, he recognizes it's Jesus and he drops volume of traffic for volume of voice. And he says, what I need from you, Lord, is better than the business thing. Now, again, if you're hungry for God, you may have to set aside a business opportunity. If you're hungry for God, you may have to set aside dinner after church and come forward to the altar. You're like, but I'm hungry. Okay, do you want a miracle or do you want, you know, to go to the, the store? I was looking for a restaurant that rhymes with M. McDonald's. You want a miracle or McDonald's? What do you want? Okay, you're gonna have to decide. You're like, well, we're going to the ball game. You want to be late for the ball game? Want a miracle? What do you want? He's in a high profit moment. And he drops a high profit moment to grab what he really needs. And there's times you're going to be inconvenienced. It's not going to work with your schedule. And you have to say, I'm inconvenienced, but I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need something. And that's what he's saying. I need this. Now, nobody prompts him. Nobody says, hey, hey, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus. It's Jesus, Jesus. Here he comes. Get your miracle. He has to find that internal motivation. You say, well, I would be better. I'd be more fired up at church if they were fired up. The road in front of me was just total nitpickers. I couldn't get into it. They weren't praising. All right? Bartimaeus has no one else encouraging him. He finds his own encouragement. Learn from Bartimaeus. Find your own encouragement. And then he overcomes all the obstacles. You're going to have to overcome obstacles if you want a miracle. You're going to say, like, I'm going forward. I'm going forward. And then everybody's going the opposite way. And you're like, well, the crowd's going that way. You're going to have to fight against the crowd. There's so many things you're going to have to fight against. And in his instance, they're like, shh, 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 quiet, Jesus, don't do that. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to overcome the people that are shushing me. 
Okay, and it, can I say this? We don't need any shushers in the church, okay? If people are believing for a miracle, make it easy. Like if somebody's going towards a prayer team and you're going to, for donut hole, you know, like somebody have more intensity run for donuts than you do to, for miracles, I'm just saying. But if they do, just get out of their way. Just like, let them go, let them go. We don't need shushers like, you know, come on, we're trying to get to our donuts, you know? Don't need that, all right? So there's a lot of things you gotta overcome. There's a lot. I mean, do you know what? I don't need any shushers in my life. I got to overcome my own thinking. I'm like, I need prayer. Well, not today. You're busy, you know. Not today. Uh, probably won't work today. It's not a miracle day. And, you know, I, uh, you know and, and how many know? Well, God has favorites and you're not his favorite. So, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And you just, you start arguing. And I got to overcome all this. And what are my friends are going to think? And, 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 and you got to overcome all that. And how many know you got your own thoughts? You got the devil. Like, you're not good enough. God's not healing you. No way. I know what you did this week. You can't go forward. You know, so I got my own thoughts. I go, I have to overcome. I have the devil attacking me. I don't need other people. Shush, shush. I don't need that. And neither did he. But I love the tenacity and the zeal that this guy has. He's, they're like, shh. And he's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like if you thought I was yelling before, watch this. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> you know, and which by the way, you got to realize this is way outside of his comfort zone. I, I, I'm not sure he dreamt it up this way. Because you got to think, when he asked for alms for the poor, I don't think he did it like, alms for the poor! I think he was like, alms for the poor, please, please, alms for the poor. How many know? Like, he's not probably yelling at people, like, give to me! You know, so way outside of his comfort zone, he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I am going to scream and ask God for a miracle. And there's something, get outside your comfort zone. We have our comfort zone, and then we have the miraculous. And how many of the miraculous is way outside your comfort zone? You just got to get outside your comfort zone. All right? So he's got this zeal, this Jesus, Jesus, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy. Okay, a couple thoughts on this real quick. First of all, he didn't even know all the titles of Jesus. He just knew, like, you're Messiah and you have power. And Jesus doesn't argue, like, hey, I got more titles than that. You don't have all your theology. When you get your theology figured out, I'll give you a miracle, okay? Not only that, I mean, he doesn't say like, you know, hey, could you beautify the prayer a little bit? Like, have mercy, that's all you got? I mean, sometimes we're like, I don't know, I want to beautify my prayers. And God's like, I just want it from your gut. I just want it from your gut. Help! Miracle! Healing! Healing! I mean, we're, we're trying to think of like, uh, great things. And uh, can I tell you, Jesus is not impressed with your vocabulary. He's impressed with your intensity. Give it some intensity. Like, go for it. Come on. Let's really go. Help me, Jesus. Okay. Some of you are intimidated by prayer teams. Come forward and say, I need prayer. I need healing. That's it. That's, I, that's all I got. I, 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 you might be shy. Just pray. I mean, go for it. And, and I'll say this. I believe Jesus heard the first cry. Because remember, Jesus is on the look for, look out for faith, zeal, tenacity, passion. He's always, so I think the first time Bartimaeus was like, Jesus! I mean, Jesus is like, he's a good shepherd. How many know if he hears the sheep? Ah, he's like, oh, I hear that one. He knows. He could hear it, but I'm sure he's like, oh, okay, this is going to be good. Jesus! And the sister, shh. 
He's like, Jesus, Jesus. And he's like, come on, bring him over, bring him over. I love that. Jesus has heard your cries. Jesus, he, he wants to see how hungry you are, okay? Are you hungry? How bad do you want it? Okay, and so he says, bring him over. And I, I love his friends. They're just like, hey, good news. He wants you. And like, we knew it all along. <laughs> Liars, you know what I mean? Like the shushers all of a sudden, yeah, come on over. And I love that the text tells us that Bartimaeus is like, he, it says he immediately jumps to his feet, takes off his jacket, throws it down. And, and what he was saying is, that's my beggar jacket. There's no plan B. I'm getting my miracle. I'm, we're going for this. We're, no, we're going in. Okay? You catch the intensity. He could have kept the jacket like, well, just in case he doesn't heal me. Oh, you know, I'm a beggar and I got my beggar jacket, my authorized beggar jacket, because they had certain colored jackets for beggars. So he's like, I just, but he throws it down. And he's like, I'm gonna, and I, I believe this, that when he was fighting through the crowd, he was fighting through, he didn't care. He was throwing shoulders and, you know, like, come on, I'm blind and I'm hungry and I'm, where's Jesus? And I believe he was like, Jesus! Bartimaeus is like, Marco, Polo, Jesus, Bartimaeus. And he gets, and I, here's the way I visualize it with my active imagination. I think when Bartimaeus got to Jesus, he did one of these because he was blind. And I think he went and felt his face. And then he got to his hands. He goes, those are carpenter's hands. Those are the ones. Those are the ones. It's so interesting. The nitpickers are like, are those carpenter hands? And Bartimaeus is like, carpenter's hands. Yes. Matter of perspective. What hands are you holding? I'm holding carpenter hands that want to work a miracle. That's what I'm holding. I'm with Bartimaeus. I'm like, I'm grabbing hold. And he's, and he's like, Jesus, I just, want, I just want my sight. Jesus, what do you want? I want to see. And he's like, you're going to see. You're going to be healed. You get your miracle. It's yours. And then I believe in that moment, I'm just going to tell you, Bartimaeus didn't go to church and be like, shh. I think Bartimaeus is like, shouters here. <laughs> It's going to be a good service today. Anything can happen because Jesus is here. You want my testimony again? Because I'm ready to share. <laughs> I used to annoy my family two years ago when I had the heart attack. I mean, everywhere we got to eat, I'd be like, I almost had a heart attack and died. Uh, but I love Jesus and I knew I was going to heaven. What about you? I mean, my family was like, enough already. It was just a heart attack. I mean, I guarantee you Bartimaeus was like, I used to be blind, but I shouted, Jesus touched me. Let's start church. That's what I think he did. Zeal, passion, tenacity. And I know, again, in our church, some people are scared of it. They're like, oh, hands raised, you know, and all this. And you're like, is this good? You know, like, hey, come on, go for it. I, I just, I want to see our, our prayer teams overworked. I want to have to make an announcement that we need more prayer team people instead of like, hey, thanks for being faithful. Because I walk by the prayer team members like, thanks for being faithful. You were here for them. Even if they didn't come up for prayer, you were here for them. Thank you. And I just want to encourage them because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe we serve a miracle working God. I believe we serve a God that honors zeal, tenacity, passion. And he wants us to live hungry like that. No nitpickers. No shushers. If somebody's loud by you and amen all the time or singing way too loud, ask them, like, what, what causes you to want amen like that? Don't be mean and, they, and hear a story. Maybe you might hear something. Well, this is what I was and now I'm this. Praise God. I just can't help but shout. Or maybe they say, like, I'm just trying to help the sermon. Help me out, man. I'm trying to pull it up. Pulling it up. We serve a miracle-working God. We serve a God that honors and, and rewards tenacity and passion and zeal. And I pray right now for our church that that's the way we're going to live. 
this is a good mid-year checkup. We're yearning for more. Lord, we're yearning for more. We want more. We love Bartimaeus got his miracle. He was healed. I'm sure he was a testimony to everybody after that day forward. And I thank you for that. He was, he was a, a man that would shout your praise. The rocks didn't have to shout out because Bartimaeus was shouting out. And I pray, God, the rocks wouldn't have to shout out by our campuses, but we'd shout out your praise. We'd lift up your name. I pray no nitpickers, no shushers, but instead people that are leaning in, spiritually ready, grabbing all you have, getting to the altar, getting all, being inconvenienced, saying, God, I desire more. We yearn for more in Jesus' name. We yearn for more in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.